Hey, podcast fam. We are so glad to have you join us for week three of our six-week series on how to live as neighbors. This week, Shannon Martin, an author and friend of SBCC, is back, and she walks us through what it might look like to listen well. Pooling from the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman, or maybe you know it as the woman at the well, Shannon guides us through some practical things we can learn from the longest recorded conversation that Jesus had. After that, Shannon will be joined by a member of our own community, Judge Stephanie Steele, who recently made history by becoming the first black woman appointed to the St. Joseph County Superior Court. This conversation was full of wisdom and practical nuggets that Stephanie tries to use in her role as judge and in her everyday life. All right, let's jump in with Shannon Martin and week three of our series. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be back here. Okay, we are diving into week three of our series on how to live as neighbors in its most practical sense. Um, Beth Grable and I have partnered together for this series. And so in, in week one, we talked about simply how do we stay awake to the world we're in and to the people around us? What does it look like to pay attention to our lives and our days and our, our work and our world. Last week, while I was in Seattle, Beth took over, and I loved listening to her message on the podcast later. She spoke about how to lean in when it's hard, how specifically to choose complexity when everything in us is telling us to just choose what's comfortable. And this week, week three, this brings us to the halfway, part, the halfway point of our series. We are going to talk about how to listen well. And I want to confess to you, I, as we were planning this, this week's gathering, I, I'm well aware that I may have bitten off a little more than I can chew. Um, there's a lot that we're going to talk about here today, and we only have a limited amount of time. So in some sense, we're going to be kind of clipping through some of this, but it feels really important. It feels necessary and like it fits together so well. It was my delight to see the ways the liturgy and the, the art and the music came together so beautifully to, to work together for this message of what does it really look like to listen? <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm a little froggy today, so I've got my tea and we're just going to soldier through. We listen to the stories around us as a soundtrack for connection. Okay, this is going to be sort of the basis of what we're talking about today. How do we connect to each other and to this world as we learn to listen better, especially when it is hard? Now, we're going to begin with a lengthy text of scripture. It's a long portion. As I was doing my own planning, it, it became very obvious to me that this was the right passage for us to focus in on. Um, this series that we are, we are embarking on together is based on my book that comes out in October called Start With Hello. Um, the book itself is not a faith-based book. It's not a Jesus book per se. But as a woman of faith, my faith informs what I think, what I feel, what I believe, what I practice, what I say, that's what, that, that's what we're about here, is to try to stay on the path towards Jesus and to allow Jesus to be our blueprint for these really seemingly ordinary parts of our day and parts of our lives. 
So we're, we're going to, to focus in for just a few minutes on the story commonly known as the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Now, I want to say a couple of things before we dive in, and I'm going to go ahead and just let you know, we're going to read the whole text. It's a longer text, but there's, a, there's important reasons for us to really spend time with it today. But I want to clarify that this is a very layered text. This story is layered, it is nuanced, it is complicated, and to be completely transparent, it hasn't always been treated that way in my faith experience. It has been given at times sort of a, a surface top-level reading that has left me wanting more or wanting, wanting more of that nuance. <clears throat> I, we could honestly spend the next six weeks talking about this particular passage. We're not going to do that. And so there's part of me that wrestles against this feeling that we can't camp out here too long, but I just want to make a couple of quick points about this. In the social location that this story takes place in, a Samaritan woman and a Jewish man, Jesus, would have been pitted as enemies. There would have been no world where the two of them would have sat casually chatting, engaged in conversation, particularly in a public place. It just wouldn't have happened. There are also layers of scandal to this story. Okay, and we'll see as we dive into the text what, what some of that might mean. But I just want to pause and, and clarify something. This, this particular story has always been read to me, or mostly has been read to me, through the lens of what did this woman do wrong? Where was she at fault? What was her sin? How did Jesus meet her in that? But that's kind of the lens I was given for this story. And I read in a book called The Very Good Gospel by Lisa Sharon Harper, and some of you may remember, Lisa Sharon Harper has actually spoken here at South Bend City Church a few years back. I was actually here for it, and it was amazing. She is a wise theologian and practitioner, and I highly recommend you check her work out. But she reframed the, this story for me forevermore in her book, The Very Good Gospel, where she gave an alternative reading so that rather than centering what did this woman do wrong, what is her sin? What is her fault? The, the text talks about, you know, she's had all of these husbands. And it's easy to read that as, what did she do wrong? What if we instead read it as, she has been rejected five times, and we don't know why. We know a little bit about the historical time, and we can be curious and say, how has she been rejected and abandoned? And what does it mean that as a woman who is hurting and in pain, Jesus sat with her and chatted with her in public. Jesus was not afraid of her pain. He was not afraid of her shame, and he sat with her. I think of the, the line from Amina's song this morning that echoes, why does everyone leave? So we can read this story with that new lens today. I want to also make one last note. This is the longest conversation dialogue with Jesus recorded in Scripture. And so that's another reason why it felt important to listen to the words of Jesus and the words of this unnamed woman. But to, to ask ourselves as we go through this text, 
you know, take yourself into that moment as best you can. Take yourself into the heat. Take yourself into the dust, into the dirt, into the the buzz of activity happening around them. Put yourself in that place as we read this together. I'm going to read the whole thing. Hang in there with me. But just let's pay attention to what is being said in, in their words and in their pauses and in their posture towards each other. Before we dive in, I'm going to read one little quote from the Very Good Gospel to kind of frame this up for us. A well serves as a metaphor for a place of legacy and love. It is a place where deals are made and people are set apart for God's purposes. Jesus sat by Jacob's well. And the nameless Samaritan woman, representing a cross-section of ethnicities and living on the margins of the margins, met him there. Jesus opened a conversation with four words, give me a drink. Now we're going to dive into this text, so let's listen in. This is John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? 
Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why were you talking to her? The woman left her water jug beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Okay, we did it. (laughs) Thank you for hanging in there with me. It is quite a scene. So we're going to talk briefly. I wanted to, I wanted to give, you know, we're having a conversation next with somebody else from the community, and I cannot wait for that. And I want to leave plenty of time for that. But it's important for us to frame this from the perspective of how did Jesus do this thing, this thing that we know is important, this thing that we must be getting better at, at a time, as Mariah said, when things are very complicated and it feels like they are getting more complicated, more combative by the day. How do we do this thing of listening to our neighbor, listening to our family members, listening to each other, especially when it's hard? So because we have committed to making this series as sort of um, tangible and street level, we want this to be a a series where we can take practices actually, instead of just thinking about things, we want to take new practices out into our lives. And so there are a couple quick points that we're going to talk about, like how do we actually listen? It's great to keep saying like, it's important to listen. We got to be better listeners. How do we do it? So we're going to run through a couple quick points here, and then we've got something really exciting coming. So first of all, we stop talking, right? It sounds so basic. It sounds so simple, and yet, Jesus has given us these physical bodies. God created us with physical bodies, and Jesus embodied a body himself. We were created with five senses to move through the world and perceive the world around us and connect with each other. And shockingly, talking is not one of our five senses. So anytime we are speaking, we aren't quite so good at listening. And the train right on cue. (laughs) If we want to get better at listening, and I know we do, we've got to get better at closing our mouths to do so. The next point we're going to hit on is slow down. We have to protect the space between us. 
if we really want to hear each other, if we want to listen well, we've got to protect that space and make time for it. We see this in the story of the woman at the well. We see Jesus slow down. It's, the text says he sits down weary and thirsty. He takes his time. It is not lost on us that the longest recorded conversation in all of scripture with Jesus is with this woman who some might say was scandalous, I don't know, but who by all accounts, he should have had no business speaking to her. And he slowed down and took a lot of time listening to her in her full self, in kind of her sassiness, which I love. I mean, she's basically saying to him, like, I don't know. And, and even the story concludes with her saying, could he be? Is it possible? She still had this little bit of this shred of cynicism that life had surely given her for a good reason. She still didn't know for sure. But is it possible? The next way that we actually listen is to cultivate curiosity, and that's what we see her doing. Is it possible? They're listening to each other. This was not a monologue. This was like a real back and forth situation. And it's really fun to see. One of the ways that we have to work to cultivate curiosity, and this is a really hard one for me, in order to cultivate curiosity, we have to stop drafting our own narrative. I am the worst at that. My daughter is here. She could maybe attest to that. It is so hard when we're in challenging conversations or even just slightly, you know, disagreeable conversations to not go into our heads and start thinking, okay, what am I going to say next? Okay, what point am I going to make next? What do I do? Where do I go with this? As long as we have that, that internal track going, we aren't really listening. So instead, just to be in our bodies, listening to each other with our whole selves, instead of plotting our next move. Our next point is simply, it's not about me. When we're in hard conversations, the, the direction of the conversation, who's making the better points? Are we feeling defensive? Are we feeling angry? Do we want to just run away and retreat? All of those feelings are normal, and yet we can remind ourselves, it's, this moment is not about me. This is a conversation unfolding. It's not about me. Finally, we can notice who's missing. We can, note, we can kind of take stock of our lives and think about who are we not hearing? Whose voices are not being represented? Are we mostly listening to people who we already agree with? Are we mostly listening to people who have power? The story of the woman at the well is a beautiful example of Jesus listening to somebody with the least amount of power. Beth touched on this in her message last week, and it is vitally important for us to really consider who is missing. Listening well is the price of admission for a connected, stable world. I believe it with my whole heart. If we want to get, I, I don't know that we've ever been to a real healthy place as a world, but if we want to move towards growth and move towards health, listening is one of our pathways to get there. 
So I know that was a lot of information condensed down, but I want us to take that framing, take those points that we just took from the the text in John, from the ways we saw Jesus put listening into practice. And I want to invite up on stage with me today, Judge Stephanie Steele. She is part of the South Bend City Church community. She is the first black female judge in St. Joe County. Whoop! <laughs> Stephanie is a criminal judge. She presides over a felony docket and drug court. Beth and I talked about who would be a good partner to some of these conversations. I, at the, the time, did not have the pleasure of knowing Stephanie yet, but Beth suggested her. And I had a feeling that as a judge, she spends a lot of time listening. And anybody who practices anything a lot has some things to teach us. And so Stephanie graciously agreed to be a part of this conversation. As I told her this week, as we chatted, you know, putting this together, I said, you know what, no matter how Sunday goes, I have a new friend now, and I am incredibly grateful for that. So Stephanie, thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Okay, we're going we're gonna to continue to just move forward and dive in. As a judge, the first question that I'm going to ask you is a pretty basic question, but how much would you say of your average day involves listening? Good morning, everyone. <laughs> yeah, we were like, do we just spin <laughs> the whole time, just spin on these spinning chairs? It's kind of fun. <laughs> Um, I spend most of my day listening. Um, I think that's what you all ask me to do as a judge. Um, you want me to hear both sides of the situation or case. Um, and in situations in which I'm sentencing people, I also hear from the person being sentenced as well. Um, so I would estimate I spend somewhere between, um, 80 and 90% of my day listening I also have to make decisions, which is also what you expect of me, but most of my days listening and taking in information and then processing it uh, and then making that decision. Thank you. That was, that was kind of our hunch when we went into our first conversation with Stephanie is like, I just have a feeling judges listen a whole, whole lot. Okay, so Stephanie, as we kind of frame out this conversation, what do you see, if any, as the relationship between listening and connecting? Well, I think um, to go back to something that you said earlier and something that I really love about um, the scripture that you read, I think we have to understand that not everybody's experiences are the same. And um, you can't just look at someone and know what their experiences are and because of their experiences, their perspective is what it is. It helps frame their perspective. But how do you learn someone's perspective or where they're coming from? You do that by listening. Um, it means listening with your whole body, um, paying attention to the body language, paying attention to uh, what they're willing to share. But it means really taking in, if you're truly going to have a connection, and truly going to make that moment and time that you're spending um, and receiving worth anything, you have to be open 
to really absorbing for that moment everything that person is putting out. Yeah. So I think about just the the context of you presiding over a court. You know, we can talk about listening as a soundtrack for connection in our relationships, in our neighbor relationships, and we'll do a little bit more of that here in a moment. But but I feel like even these these kind of um, sort of looser connections through life, you are connecting with the man or the woman in front of you. Um, and so it's a different kind of connection, right? But connection is still, the connection of some type is still valuable in those moments, I would I would think. Is that, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think um, one thing that has always struck me about being in court um, is that people have all different kinds of emotions about coming to court. You know, some people are happy, some people are sad, a lot of people are nervous and scared. Um, but what really stands out for me now as a criminal judge is that for the person who's accused of doing something wrong, it is probably the worst and scariest day of their life. If there's a victim involved in their case, it's also maybe one of the worst days of their lives as well. Um, for the state who was presenting the case, it can be a very stressful day. Nobody's in front of me happy. <laughs> Right, um, And so I think it's really, really important to acknowledge where people are and to honor that they are being vulnerable in front of me or us as listeners um, and telling me or showing me this thing they've either worked really hard on or this thing that is really bothering them or this thing they're worried about. And I, as the listener, have to be vulnerable or have, have enough humility to listen to that and for that moment um, take in what they're saying. It doesn't mean that I'm going to agree with everything everyone is saying, um, but it means that I honor the dignity. Yeah. So one of the things Beth and I got to do as we prepared for this was in, in an early conversation with Stephanie, she said, well, you could come and observe the, my court if you think that would be helpful at all. And I was instantly like, what? We can? I mean, and we went the next day. It was like, you could come tomorrow. And I was like, I'll, okay, I'm in South Bend right now. I live in Goshen. I'm going to drive back to Goshen and sleep and then get back up and drive back to South Bend. And that's what I did. Um, it was it was such a kind invitation, but but we got to see Judge Stephanie Steele in action doing her job, and and some of you might know this, some of you might not. My husband is actually the chaplain of the Elkhart County Jail, and so being kind of a fly on the wall in this courtroom, I didn't see anybody I knew, but I saw a lot of people who were very familiar to me and people I love, who were in hard places, and one of the things I noticed. Stephanie doing, I don't, I think she was pretty oblivious to us even being there. I mean, it's, the docket is long and she was just going, 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 you know, people are on video, people are in person. It's just a lot. It was very interesting to see, but there were times, especially with somebody who might be on video that, that Stephanie would say to them, looking directly at the camera, I want you to know I'm about to look down because I need to read this document in front of me, but I just want you to know that that's what I'm doing. She, the the level of care that she took in in really seeing 
the person in front of her. You know, that even when, even when you were breaking eye contact, you wanted them to know why. There's a quote from John Perkins who he said, we don't give dignity, we affirm dignity. And so in the midst of really rigorous and complicated work, that's what I saw you doing, was affirming the dignity of the people in front of you. Do you have a few words that you could say about that as a practice, about seeing people in front of you as their whole selves? Well, thank you for saying that. And I have to say, these are practices, not performances. (laughs) So I know that there have been times when I have not done everything as well as I wanted to do, but these are things I try to do. Um, So that's really kind of you to say thank you. Um, and also, yes, I invited them to say, are you sure you want me to do this? Um, <laughs> but um, I don't believe that anybody it can be summarized into one act of their life, right? Everybody has more than one thing um, or one experience in their life. One thing that's happened to you does not encompass all of who you are, um, And when I'm in my courtroom and I'm on the bench, I try to create these kind of moments at the well um, where I realize I'm in a position that the community has entrusted me with. And there is a power dynamic. I mean, it's a different power dynamic, but it's a power dynamic. And um, I'm trying very hard to do what... I believe Jesus did it that well, which is to create a space where because of how he interacted with that person, it led to a connection, uh, but it also led her to um, repentance and growth and sharing. Um, And that's not necessarily true of every situation that's in front of me, but I, I mean that to say that I try to create moments that everybody is growing from. It might mean that I'm sending someone to prison that day, and it's not a happy moment, um, but it's a moment that I try to honor what the community is expecting of me, and I try to be fair and really listen to all sides of the situation, and then make the decision. Um, And I don't think that that, for me, personally, can be done um, without hearing everything. Um, And so I I only have what people give me to hear. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, we are almost out of time. I wish we could just hear her talk and talk and talk. But we are trying to to keep this series as street level as possible so that we can take what we're learning and carry it into our actual lives. In your work as a judge, Judge Steele, are there any small practices that you have learned or that you've been able to practice that we could carry just into our lives as, as partners, as parents, as citizens, as coworkers, just any kind of basic little thing that you might leave us with? Yeah, I, I can tell, I'll share with you what I do. Um, and somebody has probably even better suggestions, but for me, this is what works. Um, I think when you're 
really truly trying to be in that moment um, with the other person. I think it's it is an act of like like drinking is an act of receiving, listening is an act of receiving. It's different than an argument where you're forcing someone to hear something, right? It's you are opening yourself up. So being humble and vulnerable enough to actually give that person the moment and not being in the back of your mind preparing what you're going to say in response, but really just listening. Um, Try to listen with your whole body. Make eye contact Um, and let that person know that even though there's other things going on in the background, you are paying attention to them, and you are hearing them. I also pray every time um, right before I go out on the bench. Um, Because like I said, I, I have one of those jobs where I can't plan what every conversation is going to be and what I'm going to do because I don't have any of the information yet and I can only act on the information I have. I think that's similar in our day-to-day conversations. You shouldn't be planning out everything you're going to say if you're truly honoring the dignity of that person and, and truly opening yourself up to listen. So you're just receiving at that point. Um, so praying to center myself um, and also to ask for guidance on what I should do. And I think, I don't see Zachary now, but I grew up in a church where the pastor would also say, I don't think you hear me. And then, you know, it's it repeated again. Um, but the pastor used to always say, let he who has ears to hear, let them hear, right? And so I pray that a lot. Um, but I, so I think those things help me. Um, I think eye contact and, and not preparing an argument. So good. Let's thank Stephanie for being with us today. Thank you. We have tried to leave each week of this series with a particular practice. Something we can do, something that we can a practice that we can practice. This takes practice and it takes intention and it takes a willingness to lean in when it's hard. It takes an intention to pay attention. This week to keep, to keep this flow going of listening, the practice is going to be a reflection. So here in these closing moments, we're going to, to sit for just a brief amount of time with a few questions, you can close your eyes if you want to, you can keep them open, whatever you are most comfortable with. Take a deep breath with me. And we're going to ask God, ask the Spirit, to guide us through a few of these questions as our reflection practice today. Is there someone God is inviting me to listen to more closely this week? just going to sit with that for just a few moments. How might I slow down and make space for this practice of listening this week?
And finally, when listening becomes challenging, how might I keep the door open for curiosity and humility? Thank you for reflecting with me. I hope those questions stick with you this week as we head into another busy, complicated week that we might listen to each other a little better. And so now, South Bend City Church, if you are able, will you please stand with me for the benediction? In the words of author Cole Arthur Riley in her beautiful brand new book, This Year Flesh, how can anyone who is made to bear likeness to the maker of the cosmos be anything less than glory? This is inherent dignity. And so South Bend City Church, may we remember in the coming week that to listen to our neighbor is to hear the voice of God. Grace and peace be with you.